of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Once again, for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. As always, I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime superhero fan, lifetime animation fan. And thanks for joining us here on the podcast that exclusively talks comic books and animation. Welcome to episode 99, if you can believe that. I'm going to briefly explain the rules. We're going to bring our guests and we're going to jump right into it. Rule number one, like I said, we talk comic books, we talk animation. Every week, nothing changes. Rule number two, big fan of the old team-up books. Brave and the Bold, Marvel Team-Up, DC Comics Presents. So this is a team-up podcast. Every week, me and a special guest team up and talk comics and talk animation. And rule number three, most important, we got to have fun. We're going to bring out our guests and we're going to get into it. He is playwright, fan fiction writer, short story publisher, or publishee. Welcome back to the multiverse, my brother, Travis. Hello. Thanks for having me back. That was quite the snazzy intro. <laughs> Been a while. Um, you were, uh, this is episode 99, and uh, fun fact, you were on the very first episode we ever did. Oh, yeah. I did that, and then periodically, I, th- I think mostly when you have someone else cancel, I get an emergency <laughs> phone call. Because I will talk about anything and everything connected to comics. So this week we decided we're going to take a little break from, uh, step outside the box, a little break from uh, capes and tights and supervillains and whatnot, and we're going to talk the Adams Family. Yeah, uh, when you had a couple episodes that were a little bit on the cheaty side on the comic history, I realized, because the Adams Family started as a series of cartoons, I'm like, oh wait, I have a loophole, I can use this to my advantage. So, we're doing a new feature now that uh, every week I'm going to hit my guest up with at least one trivia question about the topic. You did not mention that part. <laughs> See if how big of an Adams Family fan you really are. Are you ready? Sure. Sometimes I do more than one. I'm only going to do one on this one. What is Wednesday Adams' middle name? Oh, wait. I know this one because it's another day of the week. It's like her, her full name is like Wednesday, Friday Adams. Is that your official answer? Uh, yeah, I'm probably wrong day, isn't it? Ding, 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 ding. You are correct. Oh, ooh. her full name is actually Wednesday Friday Adams. All right, look at that. Uh, two two weeks in a row, and my guests have gotten all the trivia, so maybe I should have gotten harder, but it was a fun fact I didn't know. So you picked uh, the Adams family, and uh, before we get into a deep dive, Tell us a little bit about uh, what led you to the decision to want to talk Adam's family. They're one of those things that I'm also obsessed with. I love the original black and white TV show. I've, I've seen almost every version they've done. They're hit or miss. Some are better than others. But they're just, they were always kind of fun because they're, there's this odd dysfunctional family who are always very cheerful about it, which somehow appealed to me coming from being the cheerful guy in an odd dysfunctional family. <laughs> So this technically isn't cheating because the Adams Family first appeared back in 1938 in a comic strip. So this is animation based on a comic strip 
which I think falls under the category of my podcast. It's not no, cheating, I don't think. No, I think it just sneaks under the line. It, it's on the border of close to cheating because there are a lot of the the New Yorker cartoons where they showed up and were a lot of single panel cartoons, and um, there weren't really full comics or comic strips of them until later on. Charles Adams created the Adams Family, obviously named after himself, and uh, in the New Yorker of all things, which always. I always viewed as a hoity-toity pretentious uh, <laughs> publication, but had the Adams Family. And it ran all the way till 1988. They were running Adams Family strips. Oh yeah, no, he was he was a big deal in cartoon strips and art before the Adams Family, and did a lot of stuff for a lot of different people. But that was his kind of became his claim to fame, and then they were got a lot of attention. And the minute the TV show hit, that became what he was known for for the longest time. So before we get into the animation, we'll go a little bit about the Adams Family itself. Uh, it remained popular all the time, and then uh, David Levy in the 60s developed the Adams Family television show, like you had aforementioned. It only ran for, uh, I believe, what, 64 episodes? Two seasons. Two seasons, okay. Uh, still in black and white, which wasn't, at that point, a lot of television had been in color, but yeah. that ha- wasn't black and white. Supposedly, it was inspired by Westfield, New Jersey, which Charles Adams says is uh, they had a lot of Victoria mansions and cemeteries. Well, I, in that I know city. the the exterior um, art that they do for the outside of the house is supposedly based on a real house. That yes, Charles it's in Adam, Los Angeles. Yeah, that Charles Adams like drew pictures of because he liked it. And they live, I believe, it's zero 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 one Cemetery Lane. Is yep. it? <laughs> They're right behind. Yeah, they go. They're right behind the cemetery. And if uh, you're unfamiliar, which I can't imagine you have been, because Adam Family's been part of pop culture off and on for like 50 years at this point. They were, yeah, like you said, a macabre type family. That uh, all the macabre seemed normal to them, and everything else. Picture the Flintstones if they were like a horror family. <laughs> yeah, the thing about them is they're not. People treat them like they're monsters, and they're not. You know, the monsters were all obviously monsters. Yeah. Or so- actually, I think the best description is someone said. The monsters are people who look like monsters, and the Adams family are monsters that look like people, because they're they're vague, and every now and then they're treated like they're supernatural. But nobody ever explains them or why they are the way they are. They just are. Well, it's like Wednesday said in the uh, one of the movies. You know, uh, I'm dressed as a homicidal maniac. They look just like everybody. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, it was pretty popular. Considering well, popular in '60s terms, and it's weird that. In the 60s, shows are seen as popular, but most of them ran two to three seasons. Oh, yeah. The, the big deal is, and well, the Munsters were the same thing. There was a big feud. You know, you were either a Munster fan or you were an Adams Family fan. And both shows only ran for like two seasons. Yeah, they both came out around the same time as well. Um, some fun facts about the show. I didn't know this, but apparently the Adams Family didn't have names. Until the show came around. No, uh, pretty much 90% of what we know about the Adams Family came from the TV show. The cartoons were almost completely no dialogue. There were visual gags. Nobody's named. And you really don't even know much of the setup besides the basic. And then when the TV show came along, they said, okay. And actually, Charles Adams consulted. And he got to he gave them lists of names for all the characters. And most of them are his first pick. There was like a couple different names that would have been for Gomez. Yeah, Gomez had a choice. Uh, it was like Rapile or something yeah, like Rapelli. that. And it was like Italian sound. John Austin finally got to make the yeah, final decision. But every, yeah, pretty much everything we know about them comes from that TV show. 
which yeah, I think is kind of amazing. Now, a rumor, I don't this could be an urban legend that there were some dolls of Morticia and Wednesday that had come out a couple of years prior to the show and they were actually named prior to the show because of those dolls. I don't know. I couldn't confirm if that is a is a yeah. legend or not. Merchandising on them is was kind of spotty, so that could have happened at any point. Once the TV show hit, there was a little bit more, but they never had a ton of stuff until I think the movies in the 90s hit. And uh, yeah, Charles Adams, the creator, he had the only input he had on the show was he'd pick the names, and supposedly uh, the girl who woman who played Morticia was his choice to play Morticia as well. Yeah, and apparently Carolyn Jones, Carolyn Jones, who also played a bad guy on Batman. Yeah, and also she was vaguely based in design on one of Charles Adams's wives, so it, it gets a little weird. <laughs> but so it had really definitely cemented their place in a uh, pop culture. If you look at it, very uh, similar, but a lot different than other versions that would come along down the road. I always thought John Austin in particular, just to me, always looked like a psychopath. So he was like <laughs> the best cast. It is kind of amazing because a lot of times you'll see like a TV show or something and the first one is not the best version. But really, the first TV show is pretty much pitch perfect. Th- those are the versions you look at. Other people have who have come after have been good, but you always will kind of compare them to that. It's kind of like every Star Trek gets compared to the original. With the Adams Family, the casting on that is so solid. So uh, before we're going to jump over to the cartoon, there's been many versions. There's been the original show. There was the two movies in the 90s. There was, a, I think, a made-for-TV movie that came out in the early 2000s, plus the two animated films and the Wednesday television show. So there's definitely been an audience, and do you have a preference, or do you have any that you think are an abomination to the episode? I Let's see. I like, this cartoon is fun. I was not a huge fan of the 90s cartoon. I love the movies with Raul Julia and Angelica Houston. Yeah. Those two were perfect, had some perfect casting. Recent animated ones are okay. I like that they're drawn in the style like the old cartoons. But again, modern Adam's Family is all about Wednesday and the others are treated like her sidekicks, which <laughs> drives me nuts. Uh, well, I think so much of it was uh, Christina Ritchie was such a standout of those 90s movies. Oh, yeah. Even and though I, I argue Raul Julia is like perfection in those movies. Oh, He's yeah. almost better than John Austin. So, the casting in those are amazing. He is great in that role. She, she's great as Morticia. Christopher Lloyd, who's a tall, thin guy, plays a fat, short guy, and he's great as Fester. There's some really solid casting in those two movies. Now, this also, to back up your point, this isn't a cheat. After the show, Gold Key had released some Adams Family comic books in the 60s and early 70s. Yeah, they had a short run, which I think all they did was adapt episodes. I don't think they did any original <laughs> stories because it only lasted like three issues. And if you look at some of the art style, we get the Adams Family cartoon that is similar to those comics. So there's a lot to enforce that this is, this is comic book-based animation. I'll take it. So we go... To the early 70s, the Scooby-Doo movies. Now, anybody's familiar with Scooby-Doo? It's been around forever. They did a, a season of their show, might have been more than one, where they would have famous people team up with Mystery Incorporated. Yeah, that was a weird show. So you had Phyllis Diller, Don Knotts. Yep. Uh, uh, Davy Jones from the Monkees, <laughs> yeah. the Harlem Globetrotters. Batman and Robin. <laughs> and they did an episode where they teamed up with the Addams Family. I believe it was called Wednesday is Missing. Yeah, and that actually had... A lot of actors from the show voiced their characters, which was kind of cool. 
had mild popularity reactions. So Hanna-Barbera at that point had moved into doing original stuff, but a lot of license. So they, a year later, decided to do the Addams Family cartoon. 1973, ran Saturday mornings on uh, NBC. And like most, it's not that we were talking about things being remembered so fondly. Like, there's so many things from the 60s and 70s that stands the test of time. But when you go back, they were a blip on the radar. This ran one season. <laughs> oh, yeah. And a lot of people had actually kind of forgotten about it until I we got a release from um, when Warner Brothers was doing that kind of print-to-order archive thing. Up until then, it had been impossible to find the episodes. So I immediately grabbed it. And then, yeah, you still... It, after they did that, it faded back into the mists of time, and it's hard to track down again. And uh, anyone who doesn't know, uh, Hanna-Barbera, legendary animation studio, have done everything from Tom and Jerry to the Flintstones to the Herculoids, Scooby-Doo, you name it, and they did The Addams Family. Now, uh, we're going to go back to specifically the date, October 6, 1973, the episode Follow That Loaf of Bread. You handpicked this episode. Why? Well, this, I think, well, it's one of my favorites. This show, I, I have an affection for, but I freely admit it is very hit or miss. There's a lot of reused animation. The voice cast is very small, so you can hear the same three or four people doing voices. This episode felt more like an episode of the TV show. A lot of the episodes, are they're fun, but they're the Adams Family encounter thieves, and they're up to something. <laughs> and... Those are kind of clunky. This one feels like it could have been an episode of the TV show. Uh, so the premise of this was instead of their house, they uh, they had a giant RV that looked like their house, I, but they drove around and got in wacky adventures. I love that camper that looks like a gothic mansion. I, I think that is amazing. So this episode uh, was directed by Charles Nichols. Couldn't really find a writing credit. A lot of the Hanna Barbera cartoons, they had like a they credited like the writers' room, or they just said Hanna Barbera wrote the episode. Yeah, they were a little vague. They either most cartoons had like two writers doing every episode, or they would have a bunch, but they were kind of always vague about the writing credit. Now you think one thing, much like the Star Trek cartoon, um, they weren't limited anymore with animation. So there's a lot of crazy stuff that got referenced in the show, but they never could do because you could never afford or have the effects. Oh, yeah. The, the, the added pets, you know, the octopus, the alligator, the vulture always got mentioned. We got them get to show up and do We stuff. got more of Kitty who only showed up. Was it yep. Kitty Cat, that, the lion? Yeah. Who had that, they used that one shot of him going down. They had like two bits of footage that they kept reusing. So uh, we're going to go over some of the voice talent. Uh, some of the original cast came back, but not all. So we're going to go over everyone. Gomez, the late Lenny uh, Weinrib, I believe is how you yeah, pronounce his name. He, he's kind of like Frank Welker in that he did a little bit of everything. Well, he was the title role in HR Puff and stuff. Yep. He was the original Grimace from the old McDonald's nice, ad. I did not know that one. And he was the original voice of Scrappy-Doo. Well, you know, every career has its highs and lows. Morticia. Voiced by a Janet Waldo, the late Janet Waldo. Almost everyone has passed away, unfortunately. There's only like, I think, one person still with us from the voice cast. Janet Waldo, uh, she was Josie on Josie and the Pussycats. Yep. She was also Judy Jetson. Yes. I, I had to do some research because I was listening to it, and I'm like, I know her voice. What else has she done? And then I was like, oh, my God, Morticia is Judy Jetson. So uh, it was very common. Hanna-Barbera used a lot of the same people, especially back then. I don't want to get into a whole social debate, but uh, female voice acting, they're very scarce. So if you found a female who did it, 
there worked a lot at that. Oh yeah, no. If you were a woman in voice acting in the '60s and '70s, you you had steady work. Now, Uncle Fester is the actual actor from the show Returns. Jackie Coogan. Yep. He does the voice, the late Jackie Coogan. Uh, he played Uncle Fester. Now, interestingly enough, he had started his career in 1921 in the Charlie Chaplin film The Kid. He was a child actor. Uh, he's actually one of the reasons we have the strict laws for child actors because his parents screwed him over on his money, and he ended up taking them to court and changing the laws for the rules for child actors and how they got to handle their money. Yeah, he sued his mother and stepfather over how they squandered his earnings from his years as a child actor. Yeah, not a fun story. <laughs> and uh, But that's kind of fascinating he came back because uh, it's weird because I don't think Fester, out of all the characters, none of the other versions of Fester seem as, they all seem like a big difference from the original version. Unlike Wednesday, Pugsley, Morticia, Gomez, Lurch, they all seem kind of the same, but for some reason, Fester in all other forms, he seems like really derivative from the original interpretation. They really kind of dial up the wacky on him and and kind of make him manic. He was kind of... And the, the, the original show and the original cartoons, there was a dark edge, but it was kind of low-key. You know, and anything weird they did was treated kind of casually. You know, Fester-like explosions and sort of stuff. But yeah, in the later things, they're like, we have to find more for him to do. And so he's kind of goofy and... It comes and goes. Sometimes it's kind of fun, and sometimes it's just like, oh, you had no idea what to do with Fester, so you just made him random comic relief. Now, Wednesday is voiced by Cindy Henderson, who I couldn't find a lot of information on. Yeah, I. this may be one of her only credits, or she did some voice acting and then just kind of went away, because I don't remember seeing any reference to her anywhere else. I got to say, Wednesday is known as so iconic, like... And so, like, everyone knows her, but the original version of Wednesday is a lot more restrained than every other version that we've seen. Yeah, the this and the show are... She's more of a little kid back She's a little kid who just happens to... Yeah, she likes spiders and, and playing with weird stuff. She's not the, the goth icon she becomes in the 90s. Pugsley, fascinatingly enough, is voiced by a young Jodie Foster. One of Jodie Foster's earliest uh, acting credits was working on this cartoon. She did some voice work. Before she got into, made the big jump, and I, I think she was a Disney girl for a while. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy, because it wasn't, I mean, what was Taxi Driver, like four years after this, where she's playing a, a teenage prostitute? <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think about that. So it's a weird thing in animation, where women do a lot of boy characters, but you don't see a lot of men doing female characters. No, but they would take a girl just for any kids, because... Like Bart Simpson, Martin yeah. Prince, uh, a lot of the Rugrats... The kid from Fairly Odd Parents, like, and Pugsley, they're all voiced by women. Yeah, they, I don't know. They just have mellower or softer voices, so it, it adapts better. Finally, Lurch is voiced by the late Ted Cassidy, who was the only other cast member to return. Yeah, oh, and Ted Cassidy did a ton of voice work for Hanna Barbera. I think, being the fact that he was like, you know, a huge actor. He was like 6'8 or something. Yeah, big guy. So he had a little trouble with typecasting and he kind of tried to step away and Hanna-Barbera, because he has that very distinctive deep voice, he did a ton of stuff for Hanna-Barbera. From your Godzilla episode, he's the voice of Godzilla. The voice of the thing on Fred and Barney Meet the Thing. Oh, well, again, like with the Scrappy-Doo thing, I don't brag about anything. Now, fascinating thing about Ted, Ken- Ted Cassidy... <laughs> Almost said Ted Kennedy. Ted Cassidy and Lurch is originally Lurch was scripted in the original show to have no lines, 
Ted Cassidy improvised the you rang, yep. and everybody loved it. So then they started developing little one-liners for Lurch to say. Oh, yeah. And then they kind of – that's the thing is when people go, well, you know, when you go back to the original, I'm like, in the original cartoons, nobody almost talked. Nope. Nobody had <laughs> names. I'm like, calm it down a little bit. Yes, they kind of dialed that back with the movies where Lurch says almost nothing. But, yes, Ted Cassidy just speaking a little bit, it was kind of fun because every now and then he'd get, like, full sentences, and it always felt a little weird, like – Oh my gosh, he can talk. I almost forgot. And in not all scenes, but in the original show, uh, Ted Cassidy also played Thing in some of the uh, scenes. Yeah, they had, the Thing was just basically done as whoever was around. So it would sometimes be some guys who were working on the set or whoever was there. And because Ted Cassidy had very big, distinctive hands, they asked him to do it and it just became his regular job. Yeah, most of the time, unless Lurch and Thing had to share a scene, he was usually Thing in all the scenes. Yes. All right. So we're going to go back. I have a vague recollection of this existing, but I can't tell you if I've ever seen it before or if I had when the last time was I saw it. There were a couple episodes which I did remember watching when I was a kid, but a lot of this when I got the DVD was, I don't remember this one at all, with periodic bits of, oh, I remember this scene, but yeah, it didn't get a lot of replay after it originally aired. All right, so we're going to take a break. We're going to watch The Addams Family, follow that loaf of bread. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Oh, it's a lovely night, Carita. Yes, and the campfire is too warm and cheerful. I think we should put it out. Smokey Bear says you should always put out your campfire. Very well, Wednesday. Get some water. First, we'll drown the fire. Then we'll stir the coals and drown it again. Is it out now, dearest? Dead out. Darling, what a lovely way you have with words. The first family of fright is back. What a glorious day. In a spectacular comedy the whole family will love. The Addams Family Reunion. Who are those people? These are your cousins, Wednesday and Pugsley. The family with that special something are digging into their past. I've just been dying to meet you. Likewise, of course. And finding they have more than a few skeletons in their closets. Our ancestors go all the way back to Vlad the Impaler. Starring Daryl Hannah as Morticia. How do I look? Dressed to kill. Tim Curry as Gomez. And Seinfeld's Estelle Harris. For you, funeral director Bonnie. And executioner Clyde. So get into the spirit. Watch your step. It's a killer comedy. The whole family will be dying to see. <laughs> the Adams Family Reunion, now on video. To life. To death. To family. Not necessarily in that order. From Saban and Warner Brothers Family Entertainment. Beware, it's the Adams Family Cereal. It's creepy and it's spooky, mysterious and spooky. It's all together spooky, the Adams Family Cereal. The weird part of this complete breakfast. Just wait until you see them, it's like a scary Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. Hey, 
we are back. And we just watched the Adams Family fall that loaf of bread first, yes, right did. off the bat. They don't have the classic song. No, I'm a, well. Well, because they originally had a um, a composer who did the original theme song, which was kind of frowned on at the time because it cost extra money. But uh, da- I guess David Levy really wanted uh, the composer. Oh yeah, to the music. and the, even the in the original show, even in the background music, almost every character has their own little entrance music, and a lot of the background stuff. There's a lot more effort put into it than there was in a lot of sitcoms at the time. And uh, in the 70s especially, Hanna-Barbera was notorious for cutting costs. Yeah. They wouldn't pay for the Godzilla scream, so it's not in the cartoon. Uh, Black Vulcan was originally supposed to be Black Lightning, and when Hanna-Barbera found out they'd have to pay DC and Tony Isabella, they're like, we'll just create our own. (laughs) There was a lot of good stuff put out, but it was almost despite the efforts of the studios. So, uh, But we had an interesting opening of them. You get to see their their, uh, RV, which... Has a tendency. It's like the TARDIS. It seems to change uh, dimension. Like, like I said, I love that camper. The fact that it comes with a moat. <laughs> and at one point, they uh, they scare a bear. They even scare the president on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I, the thing with one of the little things that bugs me about the cartoon is that the the Adams family are low level creepy and they're weird. They're Don't say kooky. Yes, they're not Casper. They're not scary. So everybody just seeing them and freaking out after a while goes, "Okay, calm down, guys." It's not like it's Jason and Freddy. Did you notice the the bats are the exact same bats from Scooby Doo? Where are you? I no, I did not catch that. Yeah, the There's sound a, is exactly. It's the intro to Scooby Doo. There's a lot of reused stuff, but I, I had that was one I missed. They open up with a uh, Death Valley. Where uh, Gomez just tickled pick how this is the ugliest place he's ever seen in his life, and he wants the children to see it. Yes, they never really explain this trip where they just uproot the whole family and just travel the U.S. It's fun, but you go, what? But every now and then something would happen that would reference like they have to get their mail or (laughs) something to do with the kids. You know, they go, oh, we're doing this because it's educational. And you go, okay, so there is some backstory here, but you're never going to explain it. One thing going back to the beginning I want to bring up is that the animation is cheap, but that clip when they all parade out of the camper, <laughs> I love that shot. That is beautifully done. There are some good stuff, in the, uh, but there's also a lot of, it's a mix of some good animation and cutting corners. Yeah. Oh, when they're driving through Death Valley and they, they pass the same cactus and cow skull. <laughs> They uh they do reference uh, like you had said uh, they had their mail forwarded to Death Valley, <laughs> and there's like a row of mailboxes where they stop, <laughs> so they're not the only people doing that. And Gomez has his first zinger. He says this is much better than the dead letter office. Yeah, the the humor is a bit hit or miss. Some of them you kind of get a chuckle, and some of them you go, yeah, no seven year old's going to get that one. <laughs> Laugh track out of control on this show, by the way. Yeah. If you're unfamiliar with cartoons in the 60s and 70s, if someone got the bright idea to make a, we're going to add a laugh track, like there's a studio audience, and some of these aren't even jokes, and they're going to Yeah, it's, it's really hit or miss, and sometimes it kind of works and backs up the scene, and sometimes it just goes, why did you even put that there? So uh, they find that uh, bills make Morticia happy, but letters about Gomez's stock dividends yeah. doesn't like those. That's the bad news. Which this is our early now everything I've seen this 
it goes along with the theme of them being billionaires or whatever. Is yeah. that from the original show? Or yes. This? Okay. They were rich. Um, I know Gomez is a retired lawyer. But. Yeah, he was a lawyer. Perfect record. Never won a case. Never lost one. <laughs> and there's always references to him playing the stock market. And that seems to imply where all his money came from. There's also a bit that seems to hint that at least one of them was from a rich family. So there's inheritance. It's kind of vague. But yeah, <laughs> it's it's all... He just kind of is a man of leisure who gets all his money from stock dividends now. They get a letter that uh, there's a bake-off in Chicago, and Morticia's eerie egg bread can be entered into it. Yes. Uh, and this is another thing from the TV show. Morticia had a ton of hobbies. <laughs> it, whatever, if, if they wanted to do a story about an art museum, Morticia took up painting. If they were going to a rock concert, Morticia took up music. We're going to get him to a bake-off. Morticia takes up baking. She's a very busy woman. Housewife of um, so the 60s. They got to rush it because it's 3,000 miles from Death Valley to Chicago. Uh, so they got to they drive in shifts and get there. And we get a lot of interior scenes where this thing seems way too big to be a... <laughs> oh, yeah. It is massive. I, I do love it because, yeah, every now and then they try and kind of show it to kind of show how things connect, and you go, this, no. You have more rooms than will possibly fit in that. There's, That's an, there's an upstairs, a downstairs, a basement. I love that there's a dungeon. There's a basement in their camper. Especially because there's another episode where to fix something, they don't want to stop, but they have to fix like a tire. They open a door in the floor and then reach under to get it. So you're like, well, wait, there's, there's a basement, but you just showed us something that says there's not a basement. Where is all this stuff? Uh, they need milk for her eerie bread, so they stop and uh, Pugsley and his octopus milk a whole bunch of cows. Yes, they got a lot of use out of the new pets. They let them do a lot. Lurch takes the wheel literally at one point where uh, Gomez gives it to him. I do love the bits where about this show where everyone's taking turns driving. There's scenes where Thing is driving and someone is sitting next to him to help direct him. There's also a running gag of them saying insults that Fester takes as compliments. <laughs> yes, the, the constant, oh my God, what a dreary mess. And he just shows up out of nowhere going, did you call me? <laughs> this is completely useless, a loser. Are you talking about me? <laughs> no, but one or two of your names did crop up. Yes. It, that was a cute gag. I like that one. Uh, he makes coffin-shaped bread baking pans. Yep. So the Gotta judges keep with the theme. will be really <laughs> warmed up. They find out that the problem is is it's eerie egg bread. They don't have any eggs. That's the special ingredient. And it's got to be specific eggs. And we find out that it needs to be alligator eggs. That's the secret. And to all the they recipe. have is rattlesnake. <laughs> Isn't that always the way? At this point, when I turned to you and I said, Jesus, Gomez's voice sucks. <laughs> Which is funny because I, I mean, at first it's jarring because it's not the usual Gomez voice that everyone else tries to do. But the voice that bugs me is the grandmother. Yes. <laughs> she has that freaking cackle at the end of every sentence. And she sounds just like that witch from the Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah. I just was like, and I get that. It, I believe it's the same woman who does Morticia, also does Grandmama. Yes, she does. Janet Waldo. But Waldo. I was just like sitting there going, of the voices that annoy me, and you just picked one that is was not on my list. So I'm like, really? The grandmother's right there, and you're going to complain about Gomez? Gomez is always 
supposed to be suave. Yes. And he's this one's like, eh, what do you think? <laughs> just, just annoying. Even Luis Guzman in Wednesday, who's kind of doesn't look the part, talks like elegantly and soft. Like this guy just sniveling and annoying to me. It is an odd voice. Um, you get kind of used to it watching the show, but yeah, it's not my favorite. So uh, Allie the Alligator, who was referenced in the 60s show. This stuff, oh, yeah. She actually shows up, uh, puts... Uh, <laughs> Fester's head in her mouth when he asked her to make some eggs. Yes, and they accuse Fester of playing with her. Yeah. <laughs> um, Morticia asks nicely. Gomez says, I'll never understand females, <laughs> especially female alligators. Yes, I, I do love when they can't figure out what's going on with the alligator. Morticia gets it like that, and Gomez is just kind of like, women, am I right? Which is odd, because to me, Gomez was always like this ladies' man that like swept yeah. Morticia off her feet, but he doesn't understand women. Like If Fester had said that, I would have been, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. The other thing that the cartoon kind of backs away from is how affectionate Morticia and Gomez were in the TV show. Yes. That was what I kind of liked. There was no bickering husband and wife stuff there. This is like one of the only couples in a 60s sitcom that you can imagine actually had sex to get kids. Everyone else are just like the blandest, most unromantic couples you've ever seen. These people feel like a couple that actually like each other. It's funny you say that, yeah, because they say when looking back, one of the things that stood out about the show, they said, is that it's the first couple in television history that it was heavily implied they actually had a sex life. Oh, yeah. Gomez is hitting on her right and left. What cracks me up is that in TV history, them and the Munsters are the two couples. Herman and, and Lily sleep in the same bed and it's like one of the first times that's ever shown in a sitcom morticia and gomez are obviously having sex and so you just sit there and go these are the shows where you first reference this <laughs> this is like the fact that the first interracial kiss happened in star trek it's like you can't show real people actually acting this way maybe the logic was well it's already so preposterous this won't seem out of place. Maybe that was the mindset back in the 60s. Yeah, which is fine. I didn't have a problem with because, like I said, the fact that they are so odd, but they are one of the more well-adjusted family that like each other. Very few of the plots revolve around, oh, there's a you know an argument between the husband and wife or family members don't like each other. They all like each other. It's the rest of the world that has a problem with them. So uh, they find out that Allie is lonely. That's how she needs to lay her eggs. But they don't have time to go to the okie-dokie swamp as much as uh, Gomez would like to. This scene is one that you don't think about too hard. So they get alligator shoes and bags to yeah. make her feel. <laughs> this is It's cute, but you just sit there and go, when it starts, you go, are we talking about we have to get this alligator laid? And then they do the thing with the luggage, because it's not a sex thing. It's the alligator's lonely. Yeah. So we give it... A, a dead alligator, basically, and that's okay. It does work. She lays the eggs. You know, for kids. <laughs> so they uh, they make 25 loaves of bread. One is an extra for the Adam's children. So remember that. That is uh, that is very important. Yes. Uh, despite the fact that, yeah, they're, they're, they're driving straight through 24 hours and they get to crank <laughs> out this much bread. But the oven isn't working. So uh, Fester has to use his... Kind of oven machine. I don't Another know what room that should not fit in that house. That lab or whatever it is of Fester's, his workshop is massive. He like conducts electricity to make it work. Start things cooking. He gets zapped, of course, because he's always getting zapped. Pugsley makes some comment about Doctor Frankenstein, and Wednesday says, "Well, he doesn't make house calls." Yeah, which it, gets the laugh track. They'll occasionally reference, yeah, classic monsters like their their friends. 
A weird. This was the weirdest scene to me. They they get to the outskirts of Chicago. There's a homeless guy eating an apple. Yeah, it's a take on that whole. The <laughs> bum has a bottle, sees something weird, and throws it away. But in a cartoon, they thought, oh, we can't we can't be showing drinking anymore. So he's eating an apple, and he tosses the apple because he saw something weird. I'm like. Yeah, he looks at the camera, looks at the apple, throws the apple away. Like, the apple is causing a hallucination. Yeah, you can see what gag they're going for, but you can also see that you're just like, what? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, so Fruit <laughs> causes hallucinations? Really strange, but they get it all cooking. They all they get the bread baked. Thing accidentally gets baked in one of the breads, and they make it to the fairgrounds, Lurch carrying a giant tray of eerie egg bread. Yeah, we do the running in at the last minute, and you're still okay to do the thing. Whether they do this for weddings, they do this for contests, and of course he trips, and the judges are buried under a pile of bread. the The amount of loaves of bread seems to change. We're told there's like two dozen, and we see like it seems like hundreds of loaves of bread through this episode. So uh, the judges eat it. Now this I thought was very suspect. After Gomez whispers into the judge's ear. Suddenly they announce Morticia, his wife, is the winner of the bread. <laughs> they seem to really like the bread, and I think he might be just saying because because she didn't officially enter, they don't know who she is, but it does, yeah, it seems weird. All we need is Gomez slipping them some money. That'd be like Miss Universe, and Miss Universe's husband whispers in the judge's ear, and then moments later, here's Miss Universe. <laughs> because someone at the last minute enters. Yeah, it's a weird bit. So they're all so happy that they won. She won the contest. Uh, they're going to celebrate with a toast of yak's milk, which Gomez has, I guess, is a joke where he says, yak's milk's always good for a yak. I mean, laugh. Well, I think it's supposed to be like, another word for laugh was yuck. And I think they were going for that kind yuck, of yuck, joke. Yuck, yuck, Yeah. But they'd already done the yuck joke with the, the stew grandma made. Oh, yeah, so they made yuck stew, yeah. So it just kind of like, uh, even as a dad joke, that's not very good. Again, Gomez sucks. <laughs> I hate Gomez in this character. He's like my least favorite thing about it. He's like the, the driving force of the story. A lot of the episodes were all about the families doing stuff and the kids are the ones that realize, oh my gosh, this place isn't really haunted. They're crooks. Or I think that guy's trying to swindle us. And the TV show is all about Morticia, Gomez, and Fester. So this is another reason I like this episode is that they get back into center stage. So they're upset because they're doing a round of applause and the thing doesn't clap. They realize he's missing, that he actually got baked into a loaf of bread. Now, we got to do a little history of Thing. <laughs> thing is weird because the original Thing for him, he shows up in one strip and then became a part of the TV show. And every version has a different idea of what Thing is. <laughs> in the TV show, the implication was he's not just a hand, there's more. And he just exists in the box. But there's a creature attached to it. But then later on, he becomes just a hand <laughs> that lives in a box. Because he in the TV show, he would pop out of different things. So it, the implication was there's like a series of tunnels all through the house. And thing just <laughs> pops out conveniently. But then later on, they said, no, 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 he's just a hand. And we're going to take the hand out of the box and it's a thing on its own. This thing is like in the middle because he's designed, he's got like long fingernails and he's slightly furry. Like he's a Yeti. But in the scene where he falls out of the box, you can see the bottom of the box. It's just a box. So the idea, the implication is he's just a hand. But it goes back and forth. It's so strange. It's one of the things I, I mean, I kind of am fascinated with about this cartoon because it, 
not on purpose, but it adds to Adam's family lore. <laughs> so you might say this is the first appearance of Thing as a disembodied egg. It could be. TV show sort of had a vague idea. Again, we never explain anything. It just happens. But yeah, from appearance to appearance, you're like, okay, he's just a hand? No, wait, this scene seems to imply there's a, there's a whole arm coming out of that box. So it is one of those weird things where you sit there and go, I don't know if I want them to explain this, but I have questions. So they have to go to the judges to find the loaf of bread, which gets to our title, Follow That Loaf of yep. Bread. So we get a couple of scenes, one where they, but they have to do the old switcheroo. They can't just say. Yeah, they can't, <laughs> which is, I don't get the reason for that. They do a bit where uh, they suck them in with Lurch inhaling and yeah, they switch the bread. Yeah, Lurch seems to have superpowers because when they need to turn the car around, he picks up the entire camper. It's like the Hulk is their butler. They go to the other judge who's on a boat, the SS Sourdough. Yep. At this point, did you notice every single character was Fred Flintstone? Actually, the thing I notice is that the French chef is so obviously the guy doing Gomez's voice in the least convincing French accent you ever heard. He's not even pretending at this point. Literally one of the judges and the guy who works at the Worldwide Bread, they're both Fred Flintstone. They're well, literally the voice of Fred Flintstone. Well, I think in the Hanna-Barbera, um, their voice pool, they had like three or four people who just worked on everything. And I think... I want to say Don Mezik. I think you're right. Was the voice of Fred Flintstone, and he contributes background voices for this. Fred Welker does a couple background voices in later episodes. So, yeah, you're going to recognize some voices from coming from other Hanna-Barbera characters. Yeah, they find out that the world wonder bread, they're going to distribute her eerie egg bread everywhere. I love that scene where as they're, they're floating by the boat, they conveniently stop at the porthole where the guy is conveniently on the phone <laughs> explaining the plot. And uh, there's this huge, ridiculous cartoon trope of these giant conveyor belts in the bakery where everything's moving automated. Which is weird because it looks, when they first enter, it looks like a little bread shop. <laughs> and then they go to the back and it's like the Wonka factory for bread. And again, did the company buy the recipe? Because there are dozens and dozens of loaves of bread. They're where, loading trucks. Where'd they get the alligator eggs? Yeah, it's a little baffling, and that machine is ridiculous. The fact that the off switch is like at the top <laughs> of the conveyor belt. Yeah, they see thing clearly in the thing, about to go in. They can't stop it because the controls are at the top of the conveyor belt, which I'm going to paint a picture. is like literally a story. <laughs> yeah, and so Pugsley runs up the conveyor belt across the bread, misses the button, and is does that cartoon gag of is packed up in a bread bag, dumped in the truck, and they go... Oh, we'll get him later. <laughs> I'm like, you're more concerned for what's essentially your pet than you are for your child. But Thing managed to reach out and turn the machine yep. off. So he saves the day like does he does not, so many items. He does stories. not get wrapped in a loaf of bread. And then we get the last shot. They're all at the table, all celebrating. Pugsley's still wrapped in a giant, still loaf a giant of bread loaf. <laughs> uh, she makes a joke about how uh, things need to be... Uh, under wrap. Oh, yeah. The, the great gag. I do enjoy the gag where they try and get Thing to a pause, and Gomez is like, I know it's not easy when you only have one hand. <laughs> and the final bit is they give Thing an identity bracelet, so if this happens again, they'll be able to mail him to them, which gets raucous laughter from the entire... Yeah. We do the classic cartoon bit where we end where everybody's, everybody's laughing. laughing. And all the bracelet says on it is Thing. Thing. <laughs> Which is apparently, again, from the TV show, is his official name. 
So maybe in small print, there's the uh, the, the, the or it's on the other side. <laughs> that is the uh, that's not even really. I don't even know if that's a joke. That would get them to laugh. So <laughs> again, a lot of cartoons tried to be sitcoms, but they felt like kids wouldn't get some of this stuff, so they kind of water it down. So a lot of the they're very sitcommy style jokes, but they're they're kind of weak. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan of. Everybody laughing at the at end, the end. Of it. Yes. Yep. especially when they do the head back straight up. Oh yeah, the, the full laugh, the full body laugh by a crowd over a really weak gag is a tradition. But there you have it, the Adams Family cartoon. Follow that loaf of bread. Well, I can honestly say this didn't bring back any memories. I don't honestly remember watching this ever. This is one of the few. There's like three episodes which I had memory, vivid memories of, and I remember them riding the alligator past the boat. Because they had to get something from the boat. And I do remember there was an episode where Thing disappears or is lost and they're looking for him. But for some reason, it didn't occur to me that it was the same episode until I watched it. (laughs) So I have these random flashes every now and then. So we're going to approach this two ways. We're going to rank the cartoon on its own and then we're going to talk how how it holds up in the whole lore mythos of the Addams Family. So we're going to first go right to our spectrometer. Anyone new to the show, Spectrometer is where we rank what we saw. Zero Spectros being absolute garbage. Four Spectros being perfection. Trav, how are you going to rank Adam's family? Follow that loaf of bread. I'm going to go with a three. Part of it is a lot of nostalgia. As I, like I said, I love the Adam's family unequivocally. They are one of the top things on my pop culture list. But this is a very hit or miss cartoon. This is from the cheap age of animation. And the obvious reuse of, of animation and voice actor kind of give it a hit, so I can't, I can't give it the full four, but I do kind of love it. I'm having a difficulty because part of me really, I don't know to rank this on the actual quality or how much I enjoyed it personally because it stands, it's all the stuff I love from old cartoons of you know ridiculous stupid jokes that really aren't funny. Visual gags, great voice acting, but it's not really that good of a cartoon. It's got, it's a good. It's a lot of nostalgia, I think. Yeah. Is the positive stuff. And I really, I'm going to go (laughs) to, because I enjoyed it for the most part. I couldn't stand Gomez, (laughs) and it is pretty cheap, even by Hanna-Barbera. It is one of those things that, yeah, it is a version of something I love, but I can't get mad if other people don't get into it, because it is incredibly uneven. I got to go too, just because if I'm going on someone who's never seen it, doesn't know anything about the Adams Family, didn't grow up in the era of old Hanna-Barbera, I'm, I'm recommending whether or not they see it. I go too, because I don't think if you're not a fan or remember any of that, I don't think you're going to like it as much. Yeah, unless you are an Adams Family fan or a, 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 a old Hanna-Barbera fan, someone going into this cold, I don't think is going to love it. So yeah, I'll go too. Where do you think it stands among the the test of Adam's family lore over the over the from the sixties to, to now? Well, I mean, we've only gotten the three animated projects, not counting the the one Scooby Doo episode. Yeah. And this is probably probably my favorite of the three. But that's not a huge thing. The nineties cartoon <laughs> I did not love. I don't think I've ever seen the nineties cartoon. It's, it's weird and overly stylized and I mean the nineties cartoon did get John Aston back as Gomez. But it leans a little too heavily on the movies. The current ones are fun, but again, it's the Wednesday show by that point. 
So this is probably my favorite of the animated projects. But again, that's a that's a shaky disposition. Well, a, do you have a, a favorite piece of Adam's Family Media that's not the original show? Probably I would go with the Raul Julia Angelica Houston movies. Those things are are pretty perfect in every way. It's they're stretching sitcom plots to a two hour movie is tricky, but the casting and the look of everything is so perfect that I think that's probably the second best bit they've done. Well, what did you think out there? Uh, did you like this cartoon or the Addams Family General more or less than we did? If you did, that's okay. We're just two guys talking. If you have a difference of opinion, that's fine. I like to hear it, but <laughs> it's uh, I love to hear other people's opinion. I've always been fascinated. That's why I have a guest every episode. So go to my social media and uh, tell me what you thought of the Addams Family cartoon or just if you want to talk Adam Family in general. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Spectro. Follow me while you're there. And you can find me on Facebook Matt Spectra through the multiverse. Give me a like and give me a follow while you're there as well. And you can even, if you're so desperate, you can find me on Hive, Matt Spectra, all lowercase letters. I don't go there often, but I do check it. Trav, thanks for joining us. Coming back again. Always a pleasure. Always fun doing these. Um, I do free plugs on my show. I don't know what you got going on right now. So if you have anything to plug, the floor is yours. Uh, I have a very small internet footprint, unfortunately. I, I don't Twitter. I don't Facebook. But I am, uh, my, I'm still out there. I still have some short stories. At Black Coat Press, feel free. I am now listed as a regular contributor, which is a nice plug on my resume. Nice. And uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, everyone out there, thank you for joining us. If you could uh, also give a five-star rating to my podcast, I appreciate it. It helps out the show. And if you could subscribe and share it, I appreciate it as well. I want to thank you all for joining us. And next week, we're going to be doing our 100th episode spectacular. Impressive. Not sure yet the guest or uh, the topic. Got a few things cooking, but uh, definitely join us for that. And uh, I want to thank you all for joining us. And uh, look for more exciting episodes of Matt Spectro through the multiverse, everyone. Peace.